Hello, hello, and welcome to the Extra Frame Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Zorbis, and this show is just going to be about sports, mainly football and uh, hockey, although I do talk about basketball a lot as well. So today's first episode, we're going to be talking about the NHL playoffs. Now, I made a bracket, and we're going to be talking about how that bracket has held up. We're going to go through series by series of the first round and explain what went right, what went wrong, and why my prediction was right, and why my prediction was wrong. So the first, we're going to cover the West. So the first series was Vegas and Chicago. Vegas Vegas was the number one seed, Chicago the number eight seed. Really, they're the number 23 seed if you count the qualifiers. And in this... This was probably my worst prediction. So I chose Chicago winning in seven, and um, I learned a lot of valuable lessons from that. One of the lessons I learned is to never doubt Vegas. I have done it the past three years, and each year it kind of backfires. The first year that they were in the NHL, I said, no, Vegas isn't going to make it past the first round, and then they ended up making to the Stanley Cup Finals. The reason I had Chicago winning, the only reason I had Chicago winning was because I felt like when Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze get in the playoffs. Let's be honest here. They won the cup three times. Chicago did form a dynasty. And although, yeah, they're not 25, 26 years old anymore, I thought maybe they can do it again, especially after beating out the arguably the two best players in the world with McDavid and Dreisaitl. But then I also kind of forgot that the Edmonton Oilers are terrible defensively, and so are the Blackhawks. So it was basically an offensive showdown and Edmonton didn't have a goaltender or any defenseman, which is why Chicago won. So we're going to get into what Vegas did right, and we're going to get into what Chicago did wrong. And one of the things I felt like was the biggest mismatch of this series was the goaltending. And I I think Corey Crawford's a good goalie. I don't think he's a great goalie, and I think it did show in the playoffs because Robin Leonard, who was with Chicago during the season, actually got dealt at the deadline right before the pandemic struck, and it had a lot of fans up in up in arms because they're like why did we trade this guy away he's a pretty good goalie and it kind of came back to bite chicago in the butt robin leonard was a good goalie. robin leonard is a good goalie and he is he's been he's succeeded now wherever he's been since getting traded to the islanders so basically two teams but to me vegas is that team when you see them on paper it's like okay they're good like they have some good players they have patch ready they have mark stone marchiso william carlson alex tuck you know, Shea Theodore, like, those are good players, but you're always like, this still is a new team. They're an expansion team three years in. Can they match up against a team with that much experience, like the Blackhawks with Kane and Taze? And the answer was uh, was yes. Not only did they match up, they completely dominated the Chicago Blackhawks in all facets of the game, really. And the one thing I thought Chicago might be able to do against Vegas was put the puck in the net, you know, three to four times, especially if Robin Leonard was struggling. And even if they did, the problem was Chicago was one of the worst defensive teams we've seen in a while. And Vegas took advantage of that. And props to Vegas. They had they had every right to be the number one seed through the plans. And, and man, they, they really took it to Chicago. And it leaves a question mark for Chicago now. Like, they, they do have youth. They have Kirby Doc. You know, Dylan Strome is still young. Kubalik is a, is a nominee for Rookie of the Year. But their defensive core is just so old and just not up to date at all. Duncan Keith is a fossil. He is a, a shell of what he used to be. They don't really have much going on in their, in their back end. Even Corey Crawford now is 35 years old. He needs to... They need to focus on their future, especially... 
in the back end. The next series was Colorado and Arizona. I had Colorado winning this one in five, and Colorado won this one in five. I did not think Arizona even had a chance. Arizona is that team where you have a couple good players. You have Kessel, and you have Taylor Hall. You have Clayton Keller, but they didn't. They don't mix well. You, you can get so much talent, but if you throw talent on a team and go, go play, if it's not the right coaching, not the right scheme, not the right whatever, not the right fit, it's not going to work. It's the same in anything. You can get as much talent as you want, but if they don't play well together, if they don't perform well together, you're not going to get the result. And Colorado is the beginning, might be the best team to have a dynasty in the, in the 2020s, like the best predicted team because they are so good and they keep on getting better and they are going to get better. That's a scary thing. They got, they still got some good prospects coming up. Uh, you know, even Bowen Byram is going to be a solid defenseman and him and Kalen Carr are going to run the show for years. And this series would have been done in four if it hadn't been for Darcy Kemper. The first three games, Darcy Kemper stood on his head. He looked like he was a top three goalie in the NHL and he played like it. And then when he, when he didn't play God mode, Colorado won 7-1 in back-to-back games. They dominated. And the one thing that a lot of people took out of the series, out of everything they could take out of the series, it was, oh, look how good Nazem Kadri did. I mean, the reason why is because Kadri was a former Leaf and did get a lot of hate, but Kadri looked good. Nazem Kadri looked like a solid second-line center. He took over that series. He was one of the better two-way forwards of the first round by a mile. And uh, this isn't this isn't a jab at any Leaf fans or anything like that. But one thing that McGuire said was, the one thing that I found interesting was Pierre McGuire at the end of the series says, "Don't run your team on analytics," and that was to, that was a shot at the Leafs. But the one thing that Avalanche do is actually run their team on analytics. So I mean, it worked out for Colorado. Obviously, not, did not work out for Toronto and Arizona. Is sort of just stuck in this thing where they have a mix of players. Good, good and bad, and they had such a weird outing with their GM, John Chaka. No one knows if Talkit is going to be back. Uh, Taylor Hall's a free agent, and I don't think he's going to re-sign in Arizona, uh, especially with the flat cap and all that. I would not re-sign Taylor Hall, especially if he's asking for north of $9 million, which is what is expected to be of Taylor Hall. Uh, Kessel, the reason Kessel looks so good in Pittsburgh is because he had the two best centermen of our generation. In Malkin and, and Crosby. I mean, he was good in Toronto, too. He's good in Boston, but he was good. He wasn't great. And and in Pittsburgh, he was great. So you put him on Arizona, expect him to get, you know, 40 goals again or close to 40 goals and be a point-of-game player. That's just not going to happen. And Arizona and Colorado, it wasn't even a series. Colorado completely, completely dominated that series. And it wasn't even close. And they're my favorite to go to the Cup Finals out of the West. And then... The next series was even was even more weird, I thought, than... Uh, I think the next... This series, Dallas and Calgary, was by far the most unpredictable series because if you look at it, both of them are built built differently, but both of them also had the same difficulty of being consistent and scoring goals. And Calgary was seconds away from taking a 3-1 series lead when Dallas ties it up with, with seconds left and then Pavelski... Um, Pavelski ties it up with seconds left, and then they win it in overtime, and then they come back and win again and again. Calgary just didn't have anything going. Calgary was a team that they need to blow everything up. They've been in the playoffs, I believe, since 2010, three times, I want to say, and they've been knocked down the first round all three times. 
all three times. They're not a very strong team, Cal- Calgary. The problem with Calgary is they, they're built on two players, Sean Monaghan and Johnny Goodrow, since like 2012, 2013. And they're good players, but the problem is, is they fade out in the playoffs. And a showed against Dallas. They were nowhere to be found. Their best forward, arguably, arguably, was Milan Lucic, who has been the who has one of the worst contracts in the NHL. And he looked like one of their best forwards. Now Matthew Kachuk was out. But Calgary needs to blow everything up. They don't have any goaltending. They haven't had a goalie since Kiprasov retired, or at least a reliable goalie. Since Mika Kiprasov retired. And to me, when Dallas ties up that game and wins in overtime, that's when Dallas woke up, and that's when they flipped a switch where it was like, hey, we're so much better than this team. And the thing is with Dallas is, at the start of the season, when you look at them, you're like, man, this team can go far, and they can. They have good. They have a good mix of youth, and they have a good mix of uh, of veterans. One thing I'm going to say is, Miro Heiskanen, the Dallas Stars defenseman. Everyone talks about Hughes versus McCarr, who's going to be the better defenseman in their future, who's the better defenseman now. Miro Heiskanen is up there, and you can make the argument he's better than both of them. In fact, he leads all defensemen in uh, in points this this uh, this postseason so far with 13 points. 13 points for a defenseman. That is ridiculous. It's his second year. That is ridiculous. That is unbelievable. I think Dallas... I think Colorado-Dallas is an interesting series. As this is recorded, Dallas is up 1-0 in the series. I still think Colorado is going to win it. But I think that's going to be Colorado's best challenge. I really do. I think Dallas is the only team that can beat our Colorado in the West. And then finally, last but not least for the West, Vancouver versus St. Louis. Now, this was my favorite series of the West. I thought this series was great. You had highlight reel goals. Bo Horvat took off this series, proved himself as a very, 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 very good player. Um, not that anyone doubted that, but it was sort of like, wow, Bo Horvat is out of this world good. And Vancouver's on the rise, man. They're such a young team that it makes it so exciting. So exciting that they're able to win a playoff series with this young core. Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, even JT Miller, Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes, Jacob Markstrom, now Markstrom's 30, he's not very, he's not very young anymore, but still, they have, they have a core where they can, they're going to be contenders for years and years and years, now the one thing I find interesting about Vancouver is next year when Seattle joins the league, or next offseason, Vancouver has a problem with their goaltenders, Markstrom is obviously the guy, Markstrom has been the best goalie Vancouver's had since Luongo, and he has been lights out for Vancouver. But Thatcher Demko was supposed to be their future, and Thatcher Demko is going to be an RFA. And now it's, do we keep Markstrom or do we keep Demko? And if you have both of them during the expansion draft, you're going to lose one of them for literally nothing. And that's one thing, I'm, it's a good problem to have because both goalies are very good, but it's a problem where you sort of wish that you knew who your number one was for the future. And speaking of goaltending... The thing that let St. Louis down, in my opinion, was Jordan Bennington. He played very bad. I mean, the last year's playoff hero, last year's season hero, really, when he joined St. Louis, they went from, they legitimately went from the bottom of the West to the Stanley Cup champions when he joined. And this year, he just, there were reports that he looked overweight when he got to the bubble. I don't know if that's true or not. Obviously, I haven't seen him. Uh, But he played very poorly and I think it let St. Louis down. St. Louis in general just seemed like they didn't really want to be there. It's sort of like Washington and we'll get into that later on 
But St. Louis to me looked like a team where it was like, we're here, but we don't really want to be here. And that's not discrediting what Vancouver did because Vancouver took advantage of that and they they kind of bullied them, especially at the end of the, the deciding game, uh, game six. They bullied them. Um, I had I had St. Louis winning this one in seven. Sorry, I forgot to say, I had Calgary actually beating Dallas. And I would have been close if Dallas had not tied up the game with 24 seconds left. Um, I had St. Louis winning this one in seven. I knew Vancouver was going to compete with St. Louis, and I knew Vancouver had just these dogs up front. Man, they're a good team. Vancouver... When we're talking about what Canadian team is going to win the cup next, because it, there hasn't been one since 1993, the team that is probably the safest bet right now is the Vancouver Canucks, because out of every team, they have the most structure, they're, they have the best young core, in my opinion, and they're just going to keep on getting better and better. And congrats to Vancouver. Now, they lost their first game against Vegas in the second round, but Vancouver looked unbelievable. Uh, heading on to the East now. This is... This, in, in my opinion, the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference are two different styles of hockey. The Western Conference, to me, is a lot more uh, power and grit, whereas the Eastern Conference is a lot more skill and finesse. Now, I'm not saying that each conference doesn't have either, because at the end of the day, it's the NHL. There's going to be both, both facets of both conferences, right? But the one thing I noticed about the East this year was it seemed like, it seemed like whoever scored that first goal besides besides a Washington Islander series whoever scored that first goal would win the game especially this series which is Montreal versus Philadelphia Montreal being the 8th seed Philadelphia being the the number 1 seed Montreal was not supposed to be here Montreal was a 24 seed Montreal was the last team to make the bubble they upset Pittsburgh and then they match up against the other Pennsylvania team the Philadelphia Flyers and to me the series was the best series in the Eastern Conference and many reasons number 1 you had Carter Hart versus Carey Price. Carter Hart's idol growing up was Carey Price. That's pretty interesting. And Carter Hart is compared to Carey Price. That is insane. And Hart played out of this world good. Back-to-back shutouts. Uh, in game in game six, he played very well. Uh, the two games that Montreal won, Hart did look a bit shaky in. But all in all, Hart played out of this world good. He was... He showed why he is going to become the next face of the NHL when it comes to goaltending. Uh, for Montreal's sake, taking Philadelphia to, to six games is a big accomplishment because although you didn't win the series, you proved, you've proven to your fans, you've proven to everyone around the league, hey man, when we're healthy, when we're going, we can compete with any team. We need Price to play on his game as well. But we can compete with any team. And if I was a Montreal fan, which I am, the one thing I'm looking forward to is the future for Montreal. Suzuki and Kakaniemi uh, both look like they belong in the NHL. Not only that, they, they look like they were in the NHL for five years when really this was this was Suzuki's rookie season and Kakaniemi's second season. A 20-year-old and a 21-year-old center for your future. Suzuki's going to be a superstar. Com- drawing comparisons to Patrice Bergeron at 21 years old, having seven points in 10 games, scoring two goals in the elimination game, although they lost, he's phenomenal. Suzuki is going to be a phenomenal player. And the one thing that made this series the best for me was the chippiness. Now, game five was the most chippy game I have seen out of the playoffs so far. Uh, From everything, man. Gallagher getting into it. uh, Niskanen's 
cross-checked a Gallagher's face, which ended up breaking his jaw, which sparked a very controversial suspension. Cockneyemi's uh, boarding and game misconduct. Jake Evans cross-checked to the face. Sean Contreras just taking a random run at Lackanen at the end of the game. The teams looked like they hated each other, which is perfect because that's what playoff hockey is. Both teams are supposed to hate each other. And, and to me... Uh, I had Philadelphia winning this in six, and that's exactly what happened because I knew Montreal was going to win one or two. Anyone who thought that Montreal would get swept with having Price as their goalie, come on. But I thought Montreal matched up against Philly very well, and really, if Hart doesn't play out of his mind, you know, in back-to-back SOs, and Montreal hit, I think it was eight posts. If four of those go in, if even half of those go in, Montreal is coming on the series right now. Uh... Philadelphia didn't really impress me with their play, but the one thing I'll say about Philadelphia is uh, they have very good players, and their big guns didn't really show up against Montreal. So once Philadelphia's big-time players, I'm talking about Giroux, I'm talking about Konechny, once they show up and once they start playing their best game, Philadelphia is going to be a very tough team to beat, and I don't think they play their best hockey against Montreal. Um, They're playing the New York Islanders, which is going to be an interesting series. Uh, but Philadelphia looked looked good in some games, some very bad in other games. Very consistent, as I should say. But uh, that was a great series to watch. Both goalies played out of this world. And to me, Philadelphia is a team that, once if their big guns get going, I don't see many teams stopping them in the East. The next round, Tampa Bay versus Columbus. This was a rematch of last year's biggest upset in NHL history, arguably, when Columbus knocked out the best team ever in the regular season, the Tampa Bay Lightning, in four games. Um, anyone who thought that Tampa Bay will let that happen again, I'm sorry, but you should have probably thought better. They're way too talented to let that happen twice. I'm not saying they're going to go win the Cup, even though I had them winning the Stanley Cup, but they were not going to let Columbus, A, sweep them again, and B, even just beat them again. And the one thing I love about Tampa Bay is that they, even with those Stamkos, man, they can still score goals. They are still a very deadly team. And that's one thing, that, that's a good team. You lose one of your best players, guess what? The other guy steps up. They have five players that can step up in a spot. And we witnessed, I believe, the third longest game in NHL history uh, in this series, which was went to five overtimes. It started at 3 o'clock and ended at 8.45. It was, it was crazy. I watched it, unfortunately. Uh, thinking that there was okay someone's got to score you have you know it went to five overtimes someone's got to score a goal right like usually someone scores a goal within the first overtime within like the first 10 minutes but this one decided to go to five overtimes and Brandon points scoring that goal although Columbus answered that with a win the next game to me when you win in five overtimes a basically a six hour game which is the equivalent of playing two games that's deflating. Actually, it's almost the equivalent of playing three games because if there was an extra period, that's that's nine periods of hockey you're playing. That's deflating. No matter what you do in the next game, it feels like you just lost game one, game two, and game three after losing that. So, yeah, Tampa came out there and played unbelievable. Now, Corpusalo made it difficult for the Blue Jackets for next year. Corpusalo played out of his out of his mind this playoffs. He played unbelievable. He is arguably well, not even arguably. He is the reason why they beat Toronto. And to me, he's the reason why Columbus even stood a chance against Tampa Bay. Uh, Corpus Allo and Merzlikens are the Columbus Blue Jackets goalies. Now, everyone thought that Merzlikens was going to get the start because he was a starter throughout the regular season for the most part, and he was the one that was drawing the most attention. But Corpus Allo came in, played lights out, 
And um, again, expansion draft, Seattle's going to have a plethora of goalies to choose from. They're going to have a field day when choosing who they want to be their starting goaltender. And one of the teams that needs to be careful of that are the Columbus Blue Jackets. I had Tampa Bay winning this one in six. It actually ended up in five. But um, I thought that Columbus Columbus showed a, showed a lot. But at the end of the day, they didn't have Artemi Panarin. They didn't have Matthew Shane. They didn't have Ryan Dezingle. They didn't have their three, arguably three of their, or at least their two best forwards from last year's playoffs. That's why they didn't win. They didn't have enough firepower. Pierre-Luc Dubois is great. Atkinson's good. Um, Wenberg scored an unbelievable goal, but they didn't have the firepower to compete with Tampa Bay at the end of the day, and that's why they lost. And that's not a knock. They shouldn't have even really. I think Toronto was a more talented team, so the fact that Columbus even beat out Toronto was a big deal. So props to Columbus for that. Uh, and, and yeah, we'll see. Next year, I think they're going to be a very good team still. The next series, Washington versus the New York Islanders. I had the Islanders in seven. Um, and a lot of people actually started getting, not angry at me, but a lot of them were questioning me on that, saying, oh, come on, you can't bet against Ovechkin. You can't bet against the Washington Capitals. They won the Cup two years ago. Uh, they lost in the, into double overtime last year against the, against the Hurricanes and all of this. And to me, I thought two things. Number one. Uh, Todd Todd Reardon, the now former Washington head coach, is terrible. He was not a good coach at all. And number two, Washington looked very unenthused playing there. And to me, they were a team that is really good. They're very good, but it's sort of that thing now is, are they getting too old? Because Ovechkin is mid-30s. Backstrom now is, past, is, is in his 30s, right? I mean, John Carlson is in his prime. Tom Wilson is in his prime. But at the end of the day, to me, it's like their their main core, their best players, even Holtby, are reaching their 30s. And and to me, it was like, okay, are they still the team that they were two years ago? Are they still the team that they were three years, whatever? And the two reasons why I don't think they were is, one, because of their age. But that's not the biggest factor. Two, Todd Reardon didn't know what to do with his, with his group. He was basically smacked in the face with the same team that won the cup two years ago and, like, dominated those playoffs. And they looked bad. The Islanders just completely took them for a ride. And the thing that the thing that was surprising the most with the Washington Capitals is they would gain leads. They were up 2-0, I believe, in Game 1 and Game 2, and they lost both those games. Matt Barzell and Anthony Bavillier took the series over, and they really took it to the Washington Capitals. Uh, Matt Barzell is a star. And I think that John Tavares leaving the Islanders was the best thing for both parties. I think if Tavares stays with the Islanders, he might not be uh, he might not be as good as he is in Toronto. Uh, I think if the Islanders keep Tavares, Matt Barzell m- maybe doesn't break out into the player he is. Uh, Bavillier is unbelievable. Barzell played unbelievable. And can we talk about Barry Trotz, the best coach in the NHL? for the New York Islanders, when he went there, it was a dumpster fire. It was an absolute dumpster fire. And he turned that team around, not not even in two seasons, in one season. And uh, I think Philadelphia's going to have their hands full with the Islanders because if you're down one goal to the Islanders or two goals, it feels like you're down four, the way they play defense, the way that you can't, you can't enter their zone. They don't give up many odd man rushes, if any. And Varlamov is a good enough goalie where if they, if they do mess up, they got someone to bail them out. And I think the Islanders are a scary team. Matt Barzell is going to be an excellent player. He already is an excellent player. He's going to be phenomenal. The Islanders are built for success for the future, basically. 
to Washington, they're going to be back in the playoffs next year. Whenever the whenever the season starts, they're going to be back in the playoffs next year. But uh, I'm interested to see who, who they get as their coach. Um, there's a lot of coaches out there right now, and a lot of coaches will probably be dying to coach the Washington Capitals. They still got Ovechkin, who still puts up 50 a year. Backstrom, when he's healthy, still puts up 60 assists a year around there. They're they're phenomenal, and I think that this they did they didn't look like they really want to play in the bubble to be honest with you and and to me it's sort of that thing where you can't blame it on that and i think the Islanders deserved it a lot more than the capitals did but another thing that i know as capital fans in tears is the probable departure of uh their their goaltending hero brain hopey uh his contract is up sam sonov is coming up it sucks seeing your goaltender that really transformed your team or help transform your team uh leave but i think that uh hopey will always be remembered as a washington legend and he should be so washington looked very enthused and the islanders took them out uh very easily i'm gonna say i had the Islanders winning in seven but they ended up winning in five so uh and in the last series boston versus carolina this was the most unpredictable series, I'm going to say. Uh, a lot of people had Boston as the underdogs because they didn't look very well in the, in the uh, round-robin games. And I thought to myself, no, Boston's going to win the series. I had them winning in seven. Boston ended up winning in five. Uh, so I swept the East. I went four for four on the Eastern Conference. I went one for four on the Western Conference. Um, I got to start watching more Western, hockey, uh, Western Conference hockey. 100%. Uh, but... Listen, Boston had a lot of uh, a lot of problems in this series, though. They uh, Tuka Rask just kind of left. Now, not kind of left. Uh, he did mention comments about it being like an exhibition game with no fans there, and then the next day he left. And a lot of people were speculating: okay, is it because of his family, or is it because like he got some slack for his comments? And then turned out it was a family emergency. So I don't blame him for leaving. Uh, the one good thing about Boston is that their other goalie, Yaroslav Halak, is just as good as Rask in terms of numbers with the Boston Bruins. I'm not saying he's a better goalie than Tuka Rask. I don't think he is a better goalie than Tuka Rask. But Yaroslav Halak is an excellent goalie. So they went from like they went from an S tier, like an A tier, to a B plus tier. They didn't really miss out on much, and it showed in the series. Boston gets away with a lot from the referees. I will say that. Um, at the end of the day, though, they were a better team than Carolina. They showed it last year. They swept Carolina last year and beat out Carolina in five this year. So to any Hurricane fans or to any fans saying, oh, my God, Boston got favored by the refs. They wouldn't have been here if it wasn't this, this, this. They beat in nine playoff games against the Hurricanes. They've won eight of them. They're a better team than Carolina. Just admit it. They're probably a better team than most of your favorite teams. Just admit it. Um, the Bruins power play is deadly. Uh, Pasta was out for the majority of the series, or, yeah, but David Krejci is a very good player that no everyone forgets to talk about. Krejci is unbelievable for the Boston Bruins, an unbelievable second-line centerman, has been through his entire career, and every time it's a power play, I feel like Krejci is the guy who, who does a lot of the work that goes unrecognized. I think David Krejci is phenomenal, and with Carolina, you guys have arguably, arguably the best defensive core in the NHL, you guys have a lot of youth. Aho is going to be a star. Artie is a star. Uh, you know, you guys got Tara Vine, and he's he's excellent. Uh, Martin Natchez is going to be a very good player for you guys. Svechnikov is going to be a 40-goal scorer. You guys have a lot to look forward to. I know it's not the season you guys wanted, but or like the playoffs that you guys wanted at least. But 
Uh, I think the one thing Col- I mean Carolina has to do is get rid of their goaltending. Um, the fact that you don't know who's better between Morazic and Reimer shows that there's no good goalie there. I don't think Reimer's a good goalie. In terms of, I don't think Reimer's a starting goalie. I think he's an excellent backup, and I think Morazic is an excellent backup. But I don't think either of them should be the starting goaltender for a team that's trying to win the Stanley Cup. So that's how my predictions went. Those are how the series went in my eyes. Um, a lot of good hockey played. Like I said, I swept the East. went 4-4 four for four in the East, or 1-4 for four in the West. Um, both the teams that predicted to be in the Stanley Cup Finals are still in the playoffs. So we'll see. It's Colorado versus Tampa Bay, by the way. That's my prediction. Um, we'll see how it goes. I think that all these teams are... All the teams that were in the, the first round, besides Arizona... Looked like they belonged in the first round, which was good. And uh, and to me, I think that uh, these players are going to be fun to watch and unpredictable. We don't know who's going to win. There's no home ice advantage, really. Let's be honest. And there's no travel. There's nothing. So um, it's been exciting to watch. And uh, I can't wait to get back to you guys with the, uh, with the round two results. So thank you for tuning in. And uh, hope you guys all have a great day. How do I stop this? Oh, I pressed stop.